So I have David with me. Hello, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Me? I am David McCluskey. I'm an author from Liverpool in the UK. I write as D.E. McCluskey when I write me horror stuff. Um, but I also do some kid stuff as well, which I write as Dave McCluskey. Um, in my kids' books, No One Dies, which is going to change soon, because we're going to hook them kids into the horror. Get in there! Um, I live with my partner, two daughters, and a sausage dog called Ted. We called him. We called him Ted after my dad because he's only got he only had little legs as well. So that was uh, the reasoning behind that. <laughs> I've got a dog. She's just there. So if you see ears, then she's woken up and she wants cuddles. So just to warn you. <laughs> ah, give it she a likes to get involved. <laughs> I don't know where Ted's gone. I think he's gone into the living room to like for uh, to get ignored by Lauren. <laughs> she sits there like that. <laughs> the dog should say like that. <laughs> I'm joking. She loves him really. I'm sure. Um, did you always know that you wanted to be a writer? Nope. Not in the least. I didn't start writing until I was about 32, 33. No, probably no, about 37. I think I was when I when I when I first started writing. So um Never, 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 ever, ever in my long-legged life did I even think about writing at all. So why did you stop? What made you <laughs> think, okay, I'm going to do it? Okay, I'll tell you the exact story. I'll tell the story to, to, to everybody. It was Christmas Eve. Sounds like the start of a song, doesn't it? It was Christmas Eve, babe. Um, I was lying in bed with my daughter and I just read it the night before Christmas. I think she was about four, three or four. So because my voice is dead boring, she was already asleep by the time I got to the end of it. So, which, And on Christmas Eve, that's a bit of a feat. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like getting a four-year-old, it's like, go to sleep. Um, so anyway, so I was reading this, this book, Clement Moore, uh, The Night Before Christmas, and one of my favourites. And as I got out of bed... I'd, and I tucked it in and we put a present. I was, I, was, I was just enamored with the book because I love it so much. And I thought, I can do that. I reckon I could do that. So after we spent Christmas and stuff like that, and it was spinning around my head. It was like, oh, I, I could really do this. So after Christmas is all over, in between Christmas and New Year and whatever. So I went sat down on my computer and I started writing this story. And the story became the very first story I ever published, which was called The Nightmare. Oh, well, sorry, not The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, because that's me, Tim Burton. No, it was called um, The Good Behaviour Act. And basically, it's a story about what happens to you if you get on Father Christmas's naughty list, which isn't a place you want to be. It's also a rhyming story as well. So I wrote it for kids. So it was like a like a like uh, like a like Aesop's Fables type vibe. Um, so I wrote that, and that worked out. And I thought, wow! And then I just got the creative juices. Then, and the next thing you know, I had about like fifteen, maybe twenty of these little short stories written. And then someone turned around to me. I was like showing them to my mates and all, that, and they were all like, wow, "This is bastard! This is that good? You know what you should do? You should put them all in a book." And I was like. That's a boss idea. So then I found an artist on the internet and he um, 
he and like illustrated them for me. So now, and then I brought out the my very first book called Interesting Times, spelled with a Y T Y M E S. So it's six short stories, horror stories, proper horror. <laughs> Like there's, there's death and damnation going on right the way through it, but they are for kids. So, yeah. So, uh, interesting times, interesting times too. And there's a spin-off called Edward Damage Presents The Wedding. So, yeah. So, there you go. In a nutshell, I was bored. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. And how did you go from that to writing adult horror books? Well, what, what happened next? What happened after that? So, they them books were I was going to comic cons and stuff like that, and I was thinking to myself, I wrote a comic, I'm going to a comic con, I'll be dead famous. And like, I basically got to the comic con and I was showing everyone, and they were all like, Yeah, it's that sound, oh, yeah, but whatever, yeah, <laughs> yeah, who are you? So I thought, oh, I've got to expand on it, so I've got to expand on it. So I had, I had these like, um, the, the, the short rhyming stories that I was that I was doing, and when I was doing them. I was just writing sort of like stories that popped up into my head. So the majority of them were kids' books, kids' short stories, but some of them weren't. Some of them were really, really dark. So I had one called Wooden Heart, which is nothing about Elvis, by the way, before you, before you ask. Um, so I, I just took that one story and thought, you know what, I'm going to expand this. So I expanded the story to be like almost like prose, but then I made it into a into a short comic, so it's like a thirty six page comic, but it is purely for adults. Um, and then I was bitten with the bug. Then bitten with the bug, and I just had to write, 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 write. So there you go. There you go. The progression. <laughs> yeah, it does get you, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's cost me. It's cost me a house, a marriage. Um, my future, it's cost me my hairline, it's cost me my waistline, it's cost, cost me everything. But <laughs> still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed. Um, okay, as you actually have written a mixture of children and adults books, if you yeah. were to choose one character from any of those books um, to take out for a meal, who would you choose and what would you ask them? Right. I wrote a comic. I wrote a comic called um, The Adventures of Mace Massac, Hard Times on Planet Libido, spelt with an L dash Bido. Okay. So this comic is um, innuendo filled. And it's the it's the first part of what will be a series. I just haven't got round to. I wrote them, but but the artwork just cost a fortune. But as, I, I am still going to work with them. So, Mace Massac is your is your hero. He's good looking, and he's got this spaceship which is called the Bravado. So basically, the spaceship's just like a big pair of boobs, yeah. Um, and he's like he's rippling muscles and stuff like that. But he's he's just inept. He's rubbish at absolutely everything. So his sidekick is called Katrina Ninetales. And um, she's like this long, dark-haired, busty, beautiful, wears all the jumpers and the big boots. And I think I'd want to take her out for a meal. <laughs> and I don't think I'd be asking her much. <laughs> a meal, yeah. <laughs> 
I told Lauren that I, I based it on her. I mean, I did base it on you, Lauren. Sorry, I, did, I based it on Lauren. Yeah, trying to very much dig yourself out of a very big I hole. Just, yeah, I dig myself out of the same hole I just dug myself into. Yeah. <laughs> Brave or stupid? I'm not sure. Haven't decided. I'm thinking more stupid, actually, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll go with that 100%. Yeah. Um, out of all your books, what's been one of the most fun scenes you've written and what's been the, one of the hardest? Okay, one of the hardest scenes that I wrote is um, it's the finale of my book called Crack. Um, it's not the final scene in Crack, but it's kind of the finale of it. And I, I'm not going to tell you what it, I'll tell you offline what it is, because I just think I want our customers, our customers, I want our viewers to go out there and buy it and read it for yourself. But the finale of it is um, not, it takes a different, um, it takes a different route than you would have expected it to take. Yeah. And it was quite emotional because there's like, there's one little part of it where I, I flip, I flip the chapter. So I have a chapter break and then I go into the mind of a eight year old girl or no, is she eight? No, she's younger than eight. I think she's like about five, five year old girl. And then the, the full, the rest of the chapter is, in her point of view and it's heartbreaking to read it when you when you and I th sometimes I think to myself I wrote that <laughs> but that was a really difficult chapter to write really really difficult because she was around about the same age as my daughter and so the, the, the character was based on my daughter um so it was a, it was a, it was a difficult one to write one of my favorite scenes to write is um, I wrote a book called Time Ripper, and it's it's a it's a, it's like a science fiction thriller, but it's time travel. So it's based. It starts off in twenty two eighty eight, and then it flashes back to eighteen eighty eight, and it's all about Jack the Ripper. Not giving anything away there because it's basically says in the title Time Ripper. Um, so any of the scenes. Based in 1888, I just threw myself into absolutely and utterly. Out of all the books I've wrote, I've wrote nearly 10 novels and I've got like five graphic novels and about 30 comics. But out of all of my books, that one is my favourite. I know some people say you can't say which is your favourite because it's like picking one of your kids. But I hate both my kids, so I can pick the books. So um, it's like... Every scene in, in 1888 is just, I just, I just, it's lavish. Because when I was doing it, when, when, when I was doing the research for it, we went down to London, must have been about 15 or 20 times, and did the Ripper tour every single time. So I got right into it. I got into the, into the vibe of it. And, um, and like, I, 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 how many women did I kill? I think I killed five women. In order just to just to get the oh shit, I shouldn't have said that, should I? <laughs> I, I didn't really. <laughs> Disclaimer. No, but I, I sort of immersed myself into the whole book. So every scene in 1888 in Time Ripper is one of my favorites. There you go. Answer to you. <laughs> that was a long answer, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
That's fun. Yeah. I don't do short answers. I can just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. That's fine. It makes it much easier for me. I can just chill. That's good. Happy days. Yeah. Happy days. Um, you must have, in your horror books, killed your characters in horrific ways. But if you were to be a killer, you personally, how would you kill someone? <laughs> do you know how I would kill someone? I would be like, oh, just die. Oh, shit. Oh, God. Oh, and I'd be like, and I'd be looking away. And I'd be like, and I'd have the knife. And I'd be like, <laughs> and I would, it would be the shittest death that I'd seen in your entire life. Because <laughs> I'm a coward. <laughs> you know, you can do these things from a distance, right? <laughs> you know, you've got poison, uh, yeah. or you could accidentally shove them off a cliff, or. I think, I think what I'd do is I'd pay someone else to do it for me. <laughs> Living in Liverpool, you know enough enough people who will actually do that for a couple of quid. So it's yeah. There you go. We're good to go with that one. <laughs> okay, so if you were killed, that was a bit visual for you, wasn't it? It's a good job we're on camera. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I read all sorts, and I studied forensics as well, so little will surprise me. Um, lovely, lovely. Yep. <laughs> If you were killed, who would you want to solve your case? What fictional character would you choose? It's not fictional. It's Lauren. <laughs> and the reason being is that she has watched every single last programme about death, murder, serial killers, the next 48, the murderers in my family she knows them all we sit down and we watch them and she says seen this one it was a it was the next door neighbor seen this one oh he gets he, he almost gets away with it but if it's and 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 they're like and she goes if i was burying that body he'd never find and i'm like oh no and they're like that. if i ever disappear if i ever disappear her name is lauren davies yeah so there you go. So I want it. I want to solve my case. Although, saying, <laughs> saying that, I just did go to the cinema uh, the other week last week to watch um, Death on the Nile, which I thought looked better than it actually was. It, it was gorgeous looking, but the actual film, it's like, I bought uh, Kenneth Branagh played Poirot fabulously. I just, I was left a little bit cold at the end, but It'd be someone like that. I would love them to just close the doors over and say, the murderer is in this room and none of you are leaving until I know who the murderer is. That is how I'd like my my murder to be solved. Yeah. And then I'd like them to get it wrong. <laughs> just for a laugh. There he is, or she is. Hey, little Trixie. Trixie, go ahead, girl. Could introduce her to our Ted. He's a sausage dog. Yeah, she's not a fan of other dogs. <laughs> no, he's not a fan. He likes the idea of playing with other dogs until the dogs turn around to play with him and then his tail goes between his legs and he runs off. <laughs> I think he got that from me. <laughs> she's a rescue. We haven't, we've only had her about maybe four months now. And uh, yeah, she goes <laughs> absolutely ballistic if she even sees one in the distance. So. Oh, no way. Yeah. 
the you. mad auntie dogs, crazy little things. Oh, yes. Entertaining. Yeah. She was sleeping up around my neck earlier. Yeah. Like, right well, up that, here. That, <laughs> see, like, the couch that you're, you're on there, we've got, like, a chair that, that would be quite similar to that, but it's black. But what he does is he gets on the back of it and lies on your shoulder. So like a, he's like a, he's like a cross between a cat and a parrot. <laughs> mm. Um, do you have any fears or phobias? And um, would you write about them, or have you written about them? No, I have. Um, I don't really have any fears or phobias, but the one thing, the one thing that makes me go is anything to do with things being pushed into people's belly buttons. Uh, oh, my God, that makes me go... <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to write about that in my next book. Now, you just, uh, you've just reminded me. That's definitely going into my next book. Um, do you hide secret jokes or messages or Easter eggs in your books? Um, I have... Not so much Easter eggs, but what I've done in, in a couple of books is like I've used uh, I've used a, a sort of like a it's not a throwaway character, but I created this character called the Great Lord Glim, and he's used he's never you never see him he's not there he's just sort of like he's kind of like in, in one of the books he's the deity that like he's like God. Yeah, in one book and in another book, he's like um, he's like a demon that someone prayed that that, that 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 these group of people pray to, and then in another one, he's just sort of like um, like a like an old like an old god. So I've kind of subtly mentioned the great Lord Glim in in a lot of books, and then I've also got a theme, which I didn't I, I didn't actually um, I didn't. I didn't mean to do it. It wasn't on purpose, but it's but now it is because it kind of runs through on my books. And that's the theme of the colour purple. It's in everything, every book. And I didn't even notice it until uh, somebody who, who's read every one of my books was saying, you've got a proper thing for the colour purple, haven't you? And I was like, no. And she said, you have. It's in every book. So now it's kind of like a theme that I'm going for. So it's like, yeah, so, so purple will be in like in on almost every book now from the from from now on. But no, Easter eggs, not so much. And hidden jokes, I'm probably not clever enough to do that. So that would be a no. <laughs> um, have you made lots of author friends since you started writing? Oh yeah. The community, the author community on Facebook is absolutely and utterly phenomenal. It really, really is. Everybody, I don't know anybody. I mean, there might be people there. There might be people there who, who, are, who have got animosity towards you or something like that, but they don't show it. And all I see, all I've ever seen is um, like camaraderie and support and, you know, people pushing your books and you're pushing their books and you know it's not a competition nobody's in competition with each other which i think is absolutely fantastic so there's quite a few authors online who i probably converse with like once or twice a day at least you know what i mean and so it it, it is i mean 
a lot of them live in America, so you're probably never going to meet them unless you go over to one of them Comic-Cons or the Horror-Cons or whatever they are over there, which I do want to do. Um, but I would say definitely, yeah. Definitely, definitely, yeah. I mean, and I've also know a few in Liverpool now as well because I didn't, I thought I was the only author in Liverpool and it's like, turns out, like, everybody's wrote a book and you're like, what? <laughs> I was special. Like, no, Dave, you're not special. My mum says I am. Yeah, that's in the contracts. When you get pregnant, you have to tell your kids. You have to time. tell your kids that you're yeah. special. You're the main one. Yeah. <laughs> She also, yeah, I know she's lying to me because she also says I have good hair and I really don't. I've had a bad hair life, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I blame her for that. Um, do you get a lot of feedback from readers and have you ever had any weird or strange feedback? Um, <clears throat> I get loads of feedback. Um, you get loads of people who, who message you and say that they read your book and it's boss and stuff like that, but... Try to get them to put that on Amazon or Goodreads. It's near impossible. Just, it, it, it's, the, it's the craziest thing. Ever since, ever since I was a kid, I've always looked at putting reviews on things, you know what I mean? Like, well, for one, because if other people want them, you know, I've always, so that's, that's been me. And I think a lot of people are daunted by you asking them for a review because I think that they think they have to do this, like, big, long, flowery verses and have all sorts of pronouns and adverbs and blah, blah, blah in them. And now all you need is, a, like, between one and five stars and this book was boss or this book was not for me. But I always say to them, if it's not for you, do it. Give me a one, two, three-star review. I don't mind as long as you tell me why. No, it wasn't for me because one of my books... One of my books has got three instances of animal cruelty in. Um, so the guy in it kills two foxes and a dog. And, oh, my God, the feedback I've had from that has been, I didn't know the trope of you don't kill the dog. <laughs> I, I wasn't aware of that. So I was like, quite happily, let's just kill the dog. Um, but, geez, I got some grief for that one. Um, I've never had any weird things yet. I've never had anybody want me to sign the babies or flash me the boobs and ask me to sign them. Um, I'm really hoping it happens one day. Oh, I knew that was coming. I was like, it's yeah, I'm sure, right. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure your day will come. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Even if I've got to pay them to do it. <laughs> Yeah. Here's 20 quid, just come in and flash me your boobs like you I'd pretend you don't know me. Yeah. I keep asking Lauren to do it, but she says no. I don't know why. Oh, but probably because you yeah. keep pissing her off. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Quite possibly. No, but um, yeah, lo loads of feedback, not enough reviews. Um, but as of, as of yet, nothing untowardly weird I am waiting for that day I really am I'm ready for it to you two. I think I was born for it yeah. <laughs> um, are you going to any festivals or any events this year um, I was going to go to Stokercon um, but 
I just don't know whether I've got the finances at this moment in time because I was I, I, I took redundancy in my job uh, the year before last. I've got a really good redundancy package, so I took a year off. Um, and when I took the year off, oh my god, I've I've probably wrote enough drafts for the next three to four year releases. I've actually got that much stuff done. I actually wrote. I was quite regimental about it. I I, I was up a R five six o'clock in the morning, and I wrote through to like three o'clock in the afternoon, and that. And it, I went, I went and sat in coffee hours, I sat in McDonald's, sat in the back garden during lockdown and stuff like that. Um, so, but the money ran out. <laughs> so I had me spending, and I had me income, oh, and it went that way. <laughs> so I think I'm going to, I'm going to look. Now, another thing as well is like a few years ago, I used to do all the Comic Cons. I used to do almost every Comic Con. And I went up the country and I went down the country and I went left of the country and I went right of the country and I did everything in between. And I got proper Comic Con burnout. And I, and I couldn't stand it. And I was like, oh, God. Standing up for three days and like chatting to people who... Come down. I mean, because I, I because I've got like so so much sort of content. I like to have a little bit of everything, and I, you'd have people there, and they'd like they'd look at one book, and then you'd tell them about that book, and then they'd look at another book, and you tell them about that book, and they'd go right the way along your table, and then what would they do? They fuck off. <laughs> they, it was always quite funny because you'd really interact with them because as I say, I can talk to anyone, so we'd be interacting with them all the time, and then they get to the last book and they put it down, and then they'd go. Did <laughs> you slink off? I didn't know how to end that conversation. Uh, it was actually really quite funny, but there you go. Yeah. But people are strange. People are odd. There's, I, I always say there's now queer as folk, and I absolutely I miss. I miss the pressing of the flesh. It's just. It's just, it's just possible. I was on, I was out on Saturday. We did it. Um, I did a, 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 a Liverpool, it was called Liverpool Rights, and it was the last day of the festival. And it was in the, the big, like, central library in, in Liverpool, which is a gorgeous building. Um, and I work from home now. So, like, Lauren's a nurse, and my daughter's working, and, and, and they're all out. So, I'm in on my own all day, and I'm like, doing my job and stuff like that. And it's like, <laughs> but uh, so when I get a chance to talk to someone, I don't tend to shut up. So the poor girl who was on the table next to me, she she got it. I reckon she's actually lying at home, still got tinnitus. fucking <laughs> head still relic. So yeah, so I'm not doing it. So in answer to your question, I haven't got any booked. Oh, right, yeah, there was a question, wasn't there? I remember yeah, that There was a question ago, yeah. there somewhere, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think the reason for that. Yeah, but there you go. No, I was looking at Chester, Con- Chester Comic Con was, was coming up. Um, I was going to go to London, but it's just, I say it's the finances because you've got to buy your stock and then you've got to get up there and you've got to eat for three days. And the last time I did... London MCM Comic Con. I made a fortune on the first day. I must have made 
probably around, like profit wise, I must have made about 750 quid, which is like, like the best day I've ever had in a Comic Con. And I went out and I spent probably about two thirds of it on the ale. And then the nat- and I was thinking to myself, oh, I'm all right, I'm all right, I'll, be, I'll make it again the next day. I was hungover, like there was no tomorrow. And people were like, tell me about your books. And I was just like, just, just, just fucking buy one or just leave me alone. Just, <laughs> just, just edit me hands like that. So, um, no, there's a lot of overheads when it comes to like London comic cons. <laughs> I know I've been to most of the crime festivals and yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, yeah. It is fun. It's fun and it's good to it's good to actually put faces to names and stuff like that. But and I'm look I, I will be looking at doing stuff again next year, I think. Definitely, because I just, just love it so much. Yeah. Um, if you're able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with? James Herbert. Favorite author, Bannon. And he's dead. So James Herbert or Richard Lehman, one of them two. Um, a few years ago, it would have been Stephen King. And I know it's a little bit cliche. Everyone says, oh, Stephen King. But Stephen King is what I grew up on. Do you know what I mean? But recently, his, his, his latter books have just left me really cold because they're like, they're like um, novellas wrapped up in like 150,000 words these days, do you know what I mean? And it's that's just just a little bit uh, a little bit boring. But James Herbert, because when I was reading the Stephen King books, Stephen King books were all based in like Maine, and you know he had his Castle Rock and he had like Derry and stuff like that. And the way he described them was was just fabulous. And to me, it was like a mythical land. It was like somewhere. Because I'd never been to America when I was reading them, and I was like, it just sounded so gorgeous, even though like horrific things were happening, and you know the, the places didn't sound really nice, but it was just like a like just like this like world that I didn't know existed. But then I started reading James Herbert, and James Herbert was based in the UK, so like his Rats trilogy is like in a London, and I could I could relate to that. I'd been to London, and I'd been to some of the places that he was talking about. And then he started bringing out books like Ghosts of Sleeth and Haunted, and they were like little village hamlets in the middle of in the middle of Little England. And I'd been there, and I knew what that was like. And that's why James Herbert really, really, really hooks into me. But the only thing I didn't like about James Herbert though was, like, you'd be reading the book, and it'd be like you know the protagonist would be running away from this like demented ghost demony type thing. And then, and then they'd find themselves in this locked room and the ghost was outside looking for them. So they decided to have a three-page sex scene. <laughs> and I was thinking, fucking hell. Yeah. Because oh, uh, sex scenes uh, in the middle of horror books tend to leave me <laughs> a little bit cold. Sorry. But it was almost like he was like contractually obliged to throw a, a three-page sex scene in the middle of his books. But yeah, but definitely James Herbert. I mean, the Rats trilogy is just one of the best, isn't it? It's just unbelievable. The last one, The Domain, is just boss. I mean, especially now with what's going on in the world and stuff like that, and you think to yourself, fucking scary. (laughs) You you couldn't write a horror book about what's going on in the world now. But, yeah, it's like, you know, the the, the nuclear war. Because at the same time as I read that, 
I think it was it was wrote in like 1982 or something like that, wasn't it? Or 1980. But at the same time, they brought out that television program, the film called Threads. Don't know whether you've ever seen about the about the nuclear attack. Oh god, that scared me as a kid. Oh yeah, proper. And and I watched I watched it again the other day, and it's even though it's cheesy and it's a little bit like, hey lad, hey, what, what what's up, lad? We've got to go down lane. And like you know, they they they, they use like the uh, the Yorkshire accent is too thick, and it made, it sort of brought me out of the the horror of the situation, um, but still a horrific, horrific bombing scene, and you think to yourself, anybody who messes about with nuclear warheads and stuff needs to watch that film. There you go. Anyway, yeah, top yeah. of the stuff out the way. Yes. <laughs> Um, if you're able to travel to any period of time, either forwards or backwards, where would you go? I would go backwards and I would go to Whitechapel in, nine, in 1888. And I would be looking for that Jack the Ripper fella. Definitely, 100%. The canonical five, I personally believe he killed eight. Um, and... I personally believe it was a demented barber called Aaron Kosminski. Um, this is nothing to do with my book, by the way. Although Aaron Kosminski is a, is a character in that book, but it's like the book that I wrote about the Jack the Ripper is very, very close to the mythos of Jack the Ripper. All the events are exactly the same, but it's you know it's a science fiction time travel one, so it, you know I haven't put any theories about who it is. But my personal theory is about Jack the Ripper that he had to be a local. So all this, all this mythos of the top hat and the cape and the bag is just a load of shite because he was in the most, the most poverty-stricken, hideous part of, of the UK at the worst time, the worst economic time that anybody could have been around that, that, that era. If he was a surgeon with a top hat and a cloak and a bag full of knives, he would have been turned over and killed himself at like a million and one times because there was no way that he would have been able to walk through the streets. So it had to be someone who was local and had to be someone who knew all the little rat runs and all the little alleyways and every little doorway that he could have gotten into and got out. So it had to be that. And also another interesting fact that I learned on the rip on the ripping the ripper tours. And what this this is a fact that was told by every single one of them. So it's all you know, these are all different views. It wasn't foggy on any one of the nights of the Jack the Ripper murders. Ooh. So yeah, so you know the trope of the, 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 the walking through the walking through the thick fog, the thick London smog. It wasn't foggy on any one of the murders. Oh. It's a little something for you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. 1888, London 1888. You don't have to get a bath every day either. <laughs> Just hope you don't fall ill or need an amputation. Oh yeah, no, 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 but I'd have the ability to come back if it did yeah. need. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Um, since you first decided to start writing, what's been your absolute highlight? Of my writing? Yeah. My, the, 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 the biggest highlight of it, it happens all the time and, 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 and it, you'll, never, you'll never get sick of it happening, is when you get a review from someone you don't know. 
it's just mind blowing. That's that's what you do it for. I mean, when, when I first brought my books out, um, what a big thing when I first brought, brought my book out and I've, and I've got the first book and it was interesting times and I had hold of it in my hand and I thought, wow, a year ago that was just in there and now it's here and that was a mind blowing experience. But whenever somebody you don't know, whenever you look on Amazon or Goodreads or whatever your, your reviews are and somebody who you've never met, you've never had any interaction with whatsoever has read your work, whether they like it or whether they don't is immaterial. Just them taking the time to read it and write a review blows me away every single time, every single time. That's my highlight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, being, I'm just saying that so I'll just be like that's everybody fucking review me books <laughs> well it's yeah a thankless past trying to get that to uh, yeah <laughs> I know it's, yeah but I, it does me head in because you see you see other people you see some people like you know it, 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 when I say it does me head in I'm made up for them but they get like they're getting like 150, 160 reviews on their book and you know that your book is like on par with this on the same par and you think to yourself, how were they getting them reviews? How? How? If this, I, is yeah. we, this is why we'll talk about blog tools after. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll sort this new, out. I would bottle it. I would put it in a bottle and I would sell it to all the authors and I wouldn't have to write again. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Probably would. Yeah. Um, so when you're not writing and annoying your wife and your children, what do you enjoy doing with your time? Um, for my sins, for my, I must've done something wrong in a past life, but I'm a football fan. So Me I've too. got a season ticket to a certain football team that are based in Merseyside that don't play in red because oh I've got a scout's accent <laughs> and that's why I support them because I support the team from where I'm from. Um, so I've done something wrong in the past life for that one. I blame my dad. I blame my dad for that because my dad brought me up as an, Ever as an Evertonian and he said to me, he said, listen, he said, if you want to support Liverpool, you know, because Liverpool were winning all the stuff around at that time when I was growing up. So my dad said, if you want to support Liverpool, you can, I won't stop you. He said, you're just not living in this house. <laughs> I was only seven. <laughs> Very harsh. Yeah. So there you go. Well, you know where uh, I live and who my local team is. I was reading about that before. Was I? Was was that you before talking about the Hatters? Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. one. That's yeah. Huge. Although we're doing all right at the minute. I think we're six actually. We won again yeah. at the weekend, so we can't afford to get promoted to the Premier League. We could, we have no money. <laughs> it's a huge leap, and I don't understand. Well, see, what annoys me now more than anything else, is football's not football anymore. Football's not about me and me mates and their kids and my kids going and having a pint, watching the match and coming home. It's not about that anymore because in order to do that, you're talking, you've got to spend 150 quid. Do you know what I mean? For your ticket. I mean, I'm a season ticket holder, but it's they've taken the money in the... In the in, in the whole game, I was taking it away from the common man, from the people who brought it into what it is, and it's now no, it's no longer ours. And I think you've got the likes of you got the likes of Liverpool FC, Chelsea, um, Manchester City, 
I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, if, if anyone's fans of them, I'm not slagging them off or nothing like that because I, I just like football, do you know what I mean? But it's just, it's, it's almost like the whole Harlem Globetrotters now. It's not about competition. It's all about the business that you can do, you know? And yeah. 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 So there you go. Football. Um, we like, I'm, I'm a massive film buff, huge film buff. I've got that limitless, you know, for the, the Odeon where you can go and you can go to as many pictures, shows as you want. So we, me and Lauren, we do that all the time. Uh, I always leave reviews on Facebook and give them a Kluskies out of 10. And that's, <laughs> people are like, some people are like waiting for my McCluskey rating before they go and see the film. And I'm like, listen, I don't know nothing about film whatsoever. I'm just putting it down about what I think. Um, uh, what else do I like to do? That's it, really. Drink and eat. And um, yeah, walk the dog. Careful. <laughs> yeah, I like to drink, eat, and go to bed early to sleep. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's, that's what I like. Yeah. I keep. To, I tell everybody. I tell everybody that I like to go like walking in the hills and the mountains and stuff like that. You know, climbing and Snowden and all that. But I don't do it. <laughs> we talk about doing it all the time, and all the lads are like that. Yeah, I'm going to do it this weekend, and they all go. <laughs> I end up not doing it because I've got something else, something else on. But when I'm there, when I'm doing it, I love it. But I don't get to do it as much as often as I should. <laughs> but there you go. Um, who was your first celebrity crush? Madonna. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, I had um, when I was a kid. My walls were filled with heavy metal bands. There was heavy metal bands, and there was Everton FC. And then right in the middle was this massive picture of Madonna, but it was like Jordana, like a virgin days. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, not so much now. She's too, she's too, she's too much like a man. She's got like these these hands that she looks like she looks like she's been laying bricks. <laughs> I hope she's not listening. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure we haven't reached Madonna yet. Yeah. I've that. Madonna, you were boss in the eighties. Not, not so much now. Yeah, <laughs> that's not an ageist thing either. Yeah. Uh, where's yeah, the, definitely Madonna. Sorry, go on. Where's the funniest or strangest place you've ever woken up? Right, I'll tell you the story. Right, one of me. This is back in the days. Back in the days when I was uh, when I was still living with my mum and dad. It must have been about about, I don't know, 18, 19, maybe. And um, we used to go to this place in Bootle called Sullivan's, and it was like a, like, like, a, like a wine bar, but it was, it, they call it a wine bar, but it was almost like a nightclub-y type vibe, do you know what I mean? So, and, we, and at the time, we kind of knew everybody was in there. So if you went on your own, if none of the lads were going out or anything like that, you could go on your own because you would always, always know at least 45% of everybody that was in there. So, me mate, I used to work in a music shop yesterday. I used to sell guitars and drums. Um, and me mate, was he, was he lived in St. Helens, which is probably around about 20 miles away from where, from where I live in Bootle. So... He was coming down and I said to my mum and dad, I said, is it all right if Greg stays over because he's not going to be able to get back to St. Helens? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it sounds, yeah. So we were staying in the middle of the room. So we and him went out 
and I'm not being funny, we got slaughtered, absolutely and utterly slaughtered, right? And you know when you hit, you hit a point where you just black out, but then you come to, and there's like there's like a massive like time gap in the middle, right? So I woke up in a tra- on the middle in the middle of a traffic island, <laughs> right? And I looked around me, and I was in Saint Helens Town Centre, which is as I say about 20, 25 miles away. And I, I and I was like I was bladded. I was like oh, so I, I'm rocking around in my pockets, and I saw this shop, and it was called Spicy Chicken. And I thought, oh, God, so, so spicy chicken. So I walked over to the spicy chicken. I can't talk at this point. I'm probably drooling. I've probably got blood and mud all over me and stuff like that. And I'm like trying to give the woman the money for the spicy chicken. And, and she's like, no. And I'm, I, was, I realized I was trying to pay for like £2.50 to wear the spicy chicken with like 12 pence. So I, at that point, I always left a £20 note in me in my drawer at home in case I ever got into a situation like this where you needed to get home. So I jumps in a taxi, saw the taxi, so jumps in the back of the taxi. And I'm like sitting there in the back of the seat and like that. Oh, I'm like, take me to Bool. That's where, that's where I live, Bool. So take me to Bool in Liverpool. And the taxi driver just completely ignored me. I was like, just take me to Bool. Take me to Bool. Taxi driver completely ignored me. It took me about 25 minutes of arguing with the taxi driver to take me to Bool before I realised that the taxi was parked up outside the taxi driver's house and there was no driver. I don't, to that day, I don't, I can't, I think, I think I rang a taxi in the end and, and I got over the taxi that way, but it was just one of them, you know, when you just had a little complete loss. There was another time as well where me, me and one of my mates, we went on holiday, we were in Spain. Um, we were in, we went to Fingerola and um, we, we had a night out in Marbella, which is probably around about, again, about 30 miles down the coast. So we got absolutely bladdered in Marbella. We missed the train, we missed the bus or the train or whatever it was. So we were absolutely and utterly bladdered. So I remember we had this big argument we were sat in a doorway of a, of a shop and we have, we're having this massive argument and I said we should sleep in the doorway and wait till the trains come back on the next morning or and then he was arguing that he wanted to walk home and I was like it's like 30 miles and he's saying it's four hours 30 miles four hours to the train and we were arguing we were massive massive argument Next morning, we both woke up in our hotel room. And from that day to this, neither of us know how we got there. That's the God's honest truth. No idea. No, the, the, the last thing both of us remember is sitting in the doorway, fighting. Not fighting, we weren't punching each other, but fighting. And we're like, and we woke up in the hotel room and we're like, the fuck? <laughs> I was checking myself in case I'd been like uh, I'd sold my body or something in order to <laughs> making sure I had I had still had both kidneys <laughs> and a fully functioning lung. 
But uh, yeah, so there you go. So there's that's two stories for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> two for the price of one. Both of which are gonna stick with me for some time. <laughs> <laughs> As they have me. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm impressed considering you're yeah. absolutely wasted on both occasions. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of more stories about that yeah I'm sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but well I don't have any more questions for you I don't think unless you think there's anything nope. I haven't asked you that you want to tell us have I done have I done alright you've done great yeah it's awesome happy days happy days I'm good I'm good I'm good to go um, good. do you have just... any of your books to hold up or are you not that organised mm-hmm. the Grinkle Monk <laughs> That's what I'm not that organized. It's just they came today. <laughs> They're actually on the desk in front of me. <laughs> All the rest of in the living room. But uh, the Grinkle Monk is a novella. Um, it's a it's a horror story that's masquerading as a children's book. Mm. Which oh, my yeah. review will be up in my group for tomorrow, probably. Ooh, fantastic. Well, yeah, you're you're reading at the moment, aren't you? Yeah. I am. Well, mostly, mostly, most the majority of my books are horror. Um, but my latest one, I mean, the last novel I brought out was um, if you, if you, if you, how long have we got left? It's called <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's called Mutant Superhero Zombie Killing Disco Cheerleaders from Outer Space with Uzis. Um. So that was my last novel. It just rolls off the tongue, yeah. And that's my last novel. That's like a that's a that's a horror comedy. It's a B movie in a book. Um, and then I've released a couple of um, extreme horrors because they they sell it over in America. Like the people in America absolutely love it because they're all nutcases uh, in a good way to all yeah. my American <laughs> friends and readers. Uh, but they do love that. But I love, I love a good spooky mainstream horror. Um, so the next novel that I'm going to be working on is going to be like a, a an alternative take on a haunted house. So it's going to be it's, that's going to have some comedic moments in it because I always tend to write with a, with my tongue firmly in my cheek. Um, but it's going to be a genuinely spooky. Haunted house story based in based in Ireland. Based in Ireland. So yes, I should look forward to that. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be called. It was gonna be called Party Games, but I'm thinking I'm gonna be called it now the Reap House instead, because the Reap House sounds a lot more haunted housey than party games, doesn't it? Yes, very yeah. much so. Yeah. <laughs> So before we go, would you just like to tell everyone or remind everyone where they can find out more about you and where they can get your books from? Well, you can ring me. (laughs) Just just ring me. No one ever does. I got the mobile phone. No one ever rings. Um, I'm all over Facebook. Uh, So on Facebook, I, I try. I've got three profiles on Facebook, which is my own personal one, which is Dave or David McCluskey, um, which I, tr- I, I try to differentiate that from the author one, which is D.E. McCluskey author, but I very seldom do it. So 
I just, if you want to add me as a friend on David McCluskey, then fine, you know, go ahead and do it. And I will add you back and I will um, talk to you and stuff like that because I, that's what I do. I just talk. Um, then there's the D.E. McCluskey author. Um, and then there's Damaged Productions, which is the, the um, that's what I, that's what I self-publish under. Damaged is spelt with a double M. So it's D-A-M-M-A-G-E-D. And the website is damaged.com. So it's D-A-M-M-A-G-E-D.com. And you can get me on Twitter as D-E McCluskey1 or Damaged Pro, which I think sounds awful. <laughs> um, and you can get me on Instagram at Damaged Productions, but I don't tend to do an awful lot on Instagram because I don't really know how it works. Yeah. You are the only one <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I know because you're supposed to apparently, but I don't. Exactly. Understand. Yeah, you have to these days. Yeah, but I, I've never done that on LinkedIn, and I'm not on TikTok because I have no idea how to do that thing. No, no I don't blame no. you. <laughs> no, that's but I mean you've got to be down with the kids. But uh, my daughter keeps saying that she'll show me how to do the TikTok, but she never does. Mean, never, yeah. <laughs> no, that's for the youth. It's fine. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, Facebook. I'm all. I'm on Facebook twenty four seven almost. But Twitter. I'm starting to move back onto Twitter. Although it is a cesspit. Cesspit. If you say one thing wrong, you just get four hundred and fifty thousand people telling you how much of a bell end you are. Um. So it's like Twitter's like I, I tend to do it. But what does me think about Twitter is that you've got like hashtags on Twitter. So um, you know hashtag writing community. Is, is one that, I mean, I've got a bugbear with it. I've got a real bugbear with it because I put tweets up and I put, and, and the, 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 they're all I right tweets. They're not all about promotion. They're not all about this, that, and the other. They're all about like random things. And you put hashtag writing community and you get like one like or maybe one reply. But if someone puts a question up saying, what colour does your dog thinking? These people are getting... 455 replies, 1,500 likes. What colour does your dog thinking? If you were a butterfly, how many legs would you have? You're like, what? And it's like... Uh, so I have a, I have a problem with, uh, with, right, with, with right, hashtag writing community. But I do like... Uh, there's like there's one of like hashtag horror family, hashtag horror community and, you know, Denton's and... and I tend to be a little bit too political on there as well sometimes. And I shouldn't. But sometimes you just can't help it, can you? Do you know what I mean? Obviously, coming from Liverpool, there's a certain political party that I can't abide. So <laughs> I, just, I do too much. And people say to me, you shouldn't do that because you might lose readers. And you're like, well, vote for them. And I don't want them to read me. And, you, and then you think to yourself, I would do. <laughs> they've, they've got all the money. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so yeah, so if you if you if you do vote for the other side, then you know I still love you. Yeah. Have your fingers crossed, everyone. So, yeah. <laughs>